Please listen carefully. Welcome to Autism in the Wild, the show that talks about what it's really like living with autism. Here are your hosts, Noah and Chris. All right, welcome to another episode of Autism in the Wild. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Noah. Noah, do you want to introduce today's guest? No, you can. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very well. Okay, today we have Sarah with us. Sarah lives in the UK. and Sarah reached out to us uh, as a listener and um, wanted to interview us for a project that she's working on. So I'm going to let her do a little bit of describing of what that is. But welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, um, yeah. I look forward to having this conversation with you guys and being on the other side. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah, so uh, why don't you just do a little introduction about yourself and your family? Okay, yeah. So um, as you said, I live in the UK. I live in a town. Well, it's a bit like a town, but it's it's actually a city. It's called Portsmouth, which is in southeast England. Um, and I moved there from up living up in north of England about a year ago and one of the things that hit us when we moved there was that there was a lot of groups to help people support them with autism but it wasn't all collected into one place and in my family it's myself and my husband and I've got two boys so I have a, a three-year-old son called Cisco and a 14-year-old Cairo and they both um, are on the autistic spectrum with um, varying needs. Okay, so I, yeah, I didn't realize your younger son. When, when we talked last time, I think we were talking more about your 14-year-old son. Yeah. So. Yeah, so my, so my eldest son, he was diagnosed quite late. So he was diagnosed when he was 11 years old. But our youngest is on the um, ASD pathway at the moment. Um, so the linking in that we've done with various different um, health professionals, they're all sort of pointing towards that he, he's showing the same signs as, as our eldest son, which we sort of knew that anyway, but we're just having to go through the, the actual process, just like we did with our eldest son, which can take a long time in the UK. Hmm. So do you think that your experience with your older son helped you identify some of the signs with your younger son? Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah. So when, he, when my son was younger and the different traits that he, so my elder son, this is when he was younger, and the signs that he was showing, um, we didn't quite understand what, what the, the issues were. Um, like one thing that will, was happening all the time um, was in regards to like a sensory overload, but we didn't realize it was a sensory overload at the time. So every time we went to the supermarket, we would be having like a quite a good day, but the moment we went in there, it was absolute full on meltdown and it was just inconsolable and we didn't know. And, and he was quite young at the time to sort of explain what was happening to him when he was going in there. And those things like that and other sort of traits, our younger son has started to show over the last sort of 18 months um, to the similar times that our elders did. So we sort of thought, okay, we, we know we know what autism is now with, um, with everyone went through with Cairo. So we could see that those things were very similar. Okay. Now, do you want to ask a question? Sure. What are some of the challenges of being a parent of kids on the spectrum? Um, I suppose with 
Cairo, the biggest challenge that we had was awareness, um, especially while we were going through the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So at school, um, at his school, he's moved school now, but the school that he was at previously, they didn't have any um, autism awareness there at all. And they were giving him detentions. Um, I don't know how you guys do detentions out there, but I was quite shocked in regards to this particular school of how they were doing a detention where it was a consequence booth, which basically meant if you um, did something wrong, you were then taken out of that class and put into a less into another classroom for eight hours, sat in um, a, a booth basically, and you couldn't see anything to your left, you couldn't see anything to your right apart from what was in front of you, and you weren't allowed to talk. Um, you could only go to the bathroom at, at certain designated times. Um, and that, and, and he kept ended up in this consequence booth because of his tics, because of his anxiety of going to school. Um, he had different ways of trying to keep it all in when he was there, which came out in, in tics. And the, the scores sort of said he was being misbehaving, he was being naughty because he was making noises in the classroom or he was um, click, sort of tapping his chair and he would be snapping his pencils, but not on purpose because he didn't realise the full force of his um, strength. And it was a bit of a vicious circle because then he'd go to school the next day really anxious and it'd be even worse but on top of everything else. We're trying to keep it all together that he kept ending up in this booth. Um, and they just didn't have that awareness as into that he didn't have control of those those tips um and, and i always remember talking to one teacher and say saying to them about well would you be doing that to a, an epileptic child you know if a, if a child has an epileptic fit would you then be saying you've disrupted the classroom so you need to be moved out and she sort of was a bit sort of taken back by that but her response was oh well when we see him start doing these, uh, the ticks, uh, making noises, we, we tell him, oh, you're doing it um, and you need to stop now. And he doesn't stop. And it's like, oh, just <laughs> no, no understanding at all. Um, yeah. But thank you to the new school he's at now. In, they have a, a Senko teacher there who is very aware. And there's a lot of other children with very different needs and they're very accepting of, uh, putting things in place so he can feel less anxious in regards to going to school and moving from one lesson to the other um, or if he feels things are too much he, he's got a pass where he can get out of the class and he can go and sort of sit on his own um, but yeah my main struggle is awareness and and even outside you know going into a supermarket or something and people thinking your child is naughty when they're having a, a meltdown and, mm -hmm. um, and the things that they say you know, it, it's it, it's a it's a hard it can be hard sometimes. But. Yeah. So I have a couple couple things from that. Um, you know, Noah could probably describe more about the detentions mm -hmm. aside from from the school. Mm -hmm. But one one question. Well, one thing we have um, here is called a it's a five hundred four plan. It's really for accommodations, and okay. so you work with your school and you can put together. So if you're not in special ed, you can you can have a this 504 plan, and it's like a legal document thing. But you work with the school to come up with accommodations. So so Noah had had one as of I think sixth end of sixth grade, mm -hmm. but like in junior high he had his own locker. He could he could um, have a backpack when most of the kids couldn't in the hallways. He could take more time for tests if he needed it. So there's just things little things like that. Do you guys have 
any formal thing like that in your schools? Um, yeah, the court, there's two, there's two different ways that they can go at it. So if you have a formal diagnosis and depending on um, the severity of that diagnosis, you can apply for something called the Educational Healthcare Plan. Um, and that plan has various accommodations, but there's also extra funding in regards to having maybe a one-on-one support or equipment that you may need. But it's, it's very difficult um, to get one of those depending on the severity and also depending on where you live in, in the UK. There's a bit of a postcode lottery, unfortunately. And, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's also what the school can do is a one-page profile um, which is what we've got set up for um, for Cairo at secondary school, which basically is a one page all about him in regards to what are his needs and what things he needs in place, what interventions does he need to make his day easier. So things like he's allowed to, uh, crowds really, he finds crowds and busyness very, very difficult. So instead of going through the main school gates with all, all the other children, um, they allow him to come through the reception. So he's coming through through the reception where the adults would go through to a, a room, um, uh, which is, it's got other children with SEN needs, but it's very, very quiet. But he can go to that room whenever he needs to. And and, and when he leaves school, again, they'll, they'll let him leave about five minutes before the other children. So he's not in the corridors and finding that it's very overwhelming for him to sort of walk in that Uh, and also for PE they've now allowed him to step out of PE and to do a subject that he's comfortable with doing which he finds difficult but um, so like maths he loves doing that um, so they'll focus on that or science there's elements that he finds difficult so within the time the other children are doing PE he's able to go and focus on subject areas that he may need extra um, help on because in regards to PE, um, it's a lot of team sports. Um, we do things mm-hmm. like rugby, which is quite physical, uh, and football. And with being in that sort of environment of, uh, of a kid sort of shouting things, it sort of get he takes it to heart. He, it, in that environment, he he doesn't understand that that's how you all communicate as a team, and, and it, it really finds really difficult. So thankfully, the school has bit has noticed that and um, sort of put in an intervention there for him which um, does other sort of activities outside of school but uh, in in that moment it's easier for him to focus on something more educational than sport-wise. Very good. Now maybe you can talk to what kinds of detentions are Mm. are in your schools. Well I haven't had a single detention in junior high or high school so I really am not not the best person to ask about this. But essentially, all that I know is that they don't call it detention at my school. They call it ALT, or which is short for alternative learning time. Mm-hmm. Te- teachers say that's not. It's go to ALT. It's not detention. It's like it's detention. <laughs> how it is. But I think it's like I think it's like you just get a normal detention. It's like thirty minutes of just being like in a room getting your stuff done, being supervised by a teacher or something like that. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, I think that's the gist of it. Yeah, I think that's correct. I think it's after school mm-hmm. time. Yeah, so you could even get ALT if you don't get certain assignments done. 
So it's not just behavioral. It's well, also like with my brother and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, in junior high, they have like tardies or something like that yeah. as well. So it's it's not just behavior. There's some other things around it, but it's I don't I'm not aware of anything quite like what you described with kind of like a, a booth. Mm-hmm. Um, when when Isaac was in kindergarten, not in the school he's at now, but in uh, a regular um, school mm-hmm. setting, he he was very active. Sounds a lot like your son, but he he was very young, very active, and we found out about midway through school that they started taking him to another classroom to do one-on-one instruction with his um, his aide. So not even the teacher, but the aide, who was she was a great woman, but she was not trained <laughs> at all. So they just removed him and put him in. Like I went I went to the school and kind of observed what was going on and it was a room far away from everyone else and he was in there by himself and he's like, this isn't really what this should be about. This is not why we have him at this school. Um, and then I also observed that it, they, they took two people to get him to go to the bathroom because he would just wander and he, he always plays games. He's a little stinker sometimes, but mm-hmm. so he, he would just play. I could see them, him playing the, the two people because he knew what to do, but he was just kind of either not wanting to do it or just whatever. But they couldn't even get him to go to walk down the hall to go to the bathroom. It got to that point, mm-hmm. and um, but yeah, that's the only thing I can think of, Sarah. That from from our experience, anyway. Mm-hmm. Come across a consequence booth before. That was the first school that we'd ever seen something like that, and yeah, it was just. The consequence booth is that what it's called (laughs) even for children without any additional needs it's just such sensory you know deprivement of oh it's just Mm -hmm. okay so you you mentioned earlier that you you moved about a year ago yeah and you found the resources there may be lacking why don't you tell us a little bit about your your the Autistic Rainbow magazine and how that came to be? Yeah, so um, I came up with the idea where, before I moved here, when I used to live up in um, a county called Derbyshire, which is up in the north of England. And there, when you're going through the diagnosis route here in the UK, it can take a very long time and you're sort of left a bit on your own with it. So... By the time they sort of offered any workshops, which was about a year and a half down the line, we've already sort of learned everything that we could about it off our own backs. And there's such a wealth of information out there if you know where to look. Um, and there's, there's a lot of support groups as well. But again, because um, they're sort of voluntary groups, sometimes they don't have the funding out there to to do a massive campaign in regards to advertising so it's a lot of word of mouth of finding out about these things and when um i decided i just felt like there was no collection of all that information in one place which i would have found really beneficial when we were going through that diagnosis route um, or even moving to a new area with a child with sen um and that's that's why i put it together um to sort of bring together other people's experiences. Um, and so you don't feel like you're just, as a parent, that you're sort of going through it on your own. It's, it's really, I found it really beneficial um, 
of, of reading these stories that I put together, even as myself as the editor, and I know from my readers as well that, you know, hearing about their child and their sleep problems or their food issues or all the different things that they, they find challenging each day, how those parents and, and also the children or anybody who's on the spectrum of how they find situations. Um, and also collecting in regards to clubs, it doesn't just focus on young children it's for children and adults with people who who have autism but also people who have a family member with autism as well um so it was really from my son my eldest son's when we were planning to go through his diagnosis route he was the inspiration for me to start putting that together because i felt as a as a mum that it was a really valuable resource that i couldn't find anywhere else so I don't know if you have the same things here. We have a lot of, um, we call them rag mags. They're sort of like free sort of magazines that come through your letterbox of community stuff. And there was nothing in there to do with any, there was lots of clubs, but it was nothing targeted specifically for children and families with SEN needs. So mm -hmm. quite often you'll go along to these clubs, but they just weren't the right sort of environment for, for your kids to go to because it was just a lot of sensory overload. So that's why I popped that together. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. We were I was browsing through the magazine and because I, I found it on, on your website and um, I enjoyed kind of the variety. So you had kind of a feature story and then you had some other people sharing their experiences. And then you had, uh, like you said, some clubs. Uh, I noticed there was a, a little I, I, kind of like an advertisement or um, for some different theater things that were um, sensory friendly kind of performances and our kids are very involved in the theater so that caught my attention so that was good to see yeah the Chichester theater so they do regular performances throughout the year which sort of they think about the lighting and the noise and and the amount of people that come in so yeah they've been quite uh, quite interesting ones to go to but I don't know do you have a autism hour where you where you live I'm not sure what was it, what is the autism hour we have a so there's a um, a charity called the National Autistic Charity and every year there's an autism awareness week and off the back of that a lot of uh, supermarkets and different um, shops and things dedicate a particular hour of the day on certain days of the week um, for, for people with autism. So they will turn the music down, they, they turn the lights down, and there's people there to help them. But there isn't that many businesses on board. It seems to be quite a slow sort of burner of people putting in those extra bits of help and um, that awareness again. So I was just wondering if you have anything like that in your local sort of supermarkets. Like, do they have a dedicated hour at all? No, that no. <laughs> I think the closest that we have is the, the the local movie theater will show some sensory friendly th movies. So they'll turn the lights up and the sound down. Um, they do that periodically. Um, we we have. Uh, the uh, Autism Society of Iowa, which is Iowa's state where we live, they sponsored a like two or three hour period at our local swimming pool where they basically rented the entire pool 
it's an outdoor pool. And so all the families who had kids on the spectrum or any, any needs were able to come for free. And so there were no crowds. It was just us. And we were able to try out, you know, the water slides and everything else without having to worry about, you know, other kids running around, all the noises. It was really great. And shortly after that, um, we started going to the pool. Like that's one of our staples in the summer as we go every night. Isaac loves going, but maybe without, you know, experience like that, you know, families may be um, hesitant to try to go because of the challenges with big crowds and the whistles and everything else going on. No, do you know of anything like an I don't. Hour? I really don't. It doesn't seem like it's too big of a thing here mm -mm. in the States. So I think the autism hour that's in the UK that you just described is a really cool idea. I feel like that they should make some places around the country should try that. What what kind of places do you think would be? I don't really know. Best. I was I was thinking like malls and stuff, but malls are kind of dead. So, <laughs> I I don't really, I don't really know personally. I feel like more movie theaters should try the whole like mm -hmm. less sound, lights are brighter, whatever thing. And but honestly, besides that, I really don't know. Yeah, I think the supermarket or grocery stores was a good idea. Mm -hmm. I know when Noah was very small, very young, we would go into like the big stores. So I remember going into a Home Depot, which is a uh, like a hardware store, like just huge. And he was fine. As soon as we walked in, he just started screaming. And you have no idea, like, is it the lights? Is it the sound? Is it, you know, I had no idea. So we just had to leave. But that happened so randomly mm -hmm. when you were young, but it, it happened many times. So, yeah, I, I like that idea. So is that, who, who drives that initiative? So, um, so there is a, there's a weekly, uh, there's like one week a year. It's usually the first week of April, which the national, it's like a, it's a charity called National Autistic Society, where they drive that with a quite a big campaign. They made a really good um, YouTube video. They do a YouTube video every year to try and, get um, people's awareness about too, uh, the last one was about too much information sort of demonstrating what does sensory overload feel like um, to somebody and it, I would say it's definitely worth a watch they do do it really well so they sort of drive it and trying to get people to sign up to it but also a lot of the local councils so depending on where you live mm. there are um, branches of this charity that will try to drive that throughout the year but uh, one supermarket that's really sort of jumped on board is Morrison's and they do it up and down the country I can't remember the, which day of the week it is but it's one day a week where they have a dedicated hour um, and it's been really helpful because it's made a lot of people come out of their house who would never have done it before because they could just sit at home and they could go on the internet and it's that social isolation where it's in the day of the internet where you can sort of do all that stuff and mm -hmm. it's it's helped people get back out into society a bit even just for that one hour to just go and pick up a pint of milk or a bit of bread where they feel like they're going to be able to cope with it i wish i wish more more businesses took it on well I, I even have a friend who has struggles with some anxiety and she 
um, just orders her groceries online and has them delivered to her home because it's hard for her to go to the store. But something like this could be good for not just people in the spectrum, but people who have anxieties about big crowds and noises and everything that goes goes on at a grocery store. So, yeah, our son Isaac, he loves going to our local grocery store. And, and if we get comments or looks, it's from the customers and not the employees because we've gone there so many times that they, they just know us. We, we go several times a week. We have three teenage boys. I mean, mm-hmm. we eat a lot. <laughs> we yeah. go through a lot of food. So, <laughs> Yeah, but when the kids were younger, we used to get more comments, more looks. And I try not to say anything. I usually just try to smile. Smile and nod. Yeah. I heard about somebody um, giving out cards before, which... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. How, how do you feel about that? Well, I just feel like it's wrong. I feel like I understand why they've done that, but I feel like they shouldn't have to do that in today's society at all. You know, people should just have that sort of awareness and, yeah, we're just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what What do you think to that? Do you, have, have you done... Would you do that? Have you done that or...? You know, it's, I've never done it. Um, I know, I think there's some people that I've talked to that have done it and I wouldn't be opposed to it because it's a teachable moment because you have to, I guess you, as much as we'd like to have the awareness and there is more, there's still so many people that really don't know. So I guess as long as you, my wife and I always talk about these opportunities as teachable moments for people. Mm. And so instead of trying to um, confront you know, have a confrontation or an argument. It's I, I try to remain calm and and think of it, think of it from their point of view. Like they they're just seeing the behavior. They have no idea what what's going on. Yeah, we've actually I know I've actually told people before like oh he has autism and right away people are like oh you know they actually as soon as they hear that it's like okay. And, 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 you know, you can say it in a nice way. I try to say it in a nice way, but sometimes emotions mm-hmm. get the best of, of course. you. Yeah. Of course. I think, yes. Well, sometimes it's hard for it to come out in a calm sort of manner, depending on. You know. Well, as a parent, you're, you're just, you want to protect your kids, right? So. Yeah. 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 So it's a balance, but I, the more awareness is, is the be- better. But yeah, I, th- I like that idea. I don't, I've never heard of that kind of autism hour idea other than just, you know, individual businesses kind of doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Cool. Um, okay. Let's see. No, you want to ask another question maybe around magazine yeah um what reactions or feedback have you received from readers of your magazine um it's been really positive um so with the last issue um i sort of leave them in so they're they're print you can get them printed as well as download them online Mm -hmm. so um i I left them at a lot of our local libraries Mm. Um, and the feedback i've had a lot of emails and stuff from people where they were so surprised 
um, because on the table I've left them, you've got all these different community magazines that I've said to you that, that you can sort of click up. There's a number of different ones, these free magazines. And they were, they were all sort of shocked and surprised and happy to actually see something that was dedicated to, to autism because they'd never um, seen anything like that before. And because it was it's local based as well, it had that local sort of information of clubs that they hadn't been aware of that were mm. there. Um, and the, the, the stories that were in there, they, they've said that they found quite inspirational, especially um, the, quite a lot of people enjoyed reading about the adventure with autism, the mum taking a, her daughter across um, South Africa on the, uh, on the motorbike, and reading about Chris as well, and about how he was using something that he has as a special interest, which is now formed into a, a really brilliant, fulfilled, long-time long uh, career for him. And so the feedback's been really, really, really good with a lot of people wanting to have input into it as well. So I think as time goes on, hopefully I'll have more sort of support of putting it together because with the the last issue, it, it was just myself <laughs> doing it. So it was a bit of a one woman. <laughs> so it was a lot. It was a big learning curve trying to do that on, on my own. So hopefully as each issue goes on, they'll get better with uh, with more input from other people as well. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, and there's a I'll share a link to the website where you can uh, learn more about about it and 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 view the magazine as well online. Yeah, it's great, and it's these types of things take a lot of work. So kudos to you for for putting in the the effort and and pulling it together. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, I tried to. I have a hectic life anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just trying to put it in about everything. So I work full time. So I sort of do it in the very small spare time. <laughs> but I have. I'm getting my my eldest son. He's very interested in it, and he helps me a lot with it as well. So it's it's kind of a project that I can work on with him. Um, where especially in regards to books and things, we a lot of people have like supplied us with some books that we can review. Um, so some of those reviews come from him, which is good, and um, helps me sort of locate very interesting blogs and people to sort of, he thinks, oh, this person would be good to talk to, mum, you know, and yeah, it's it's a nice sort of thing to work on as a family project. Really. Yeah, that's great, and it's very, I, I hear very, uh, some similarities to our podcast where, you know, we, it's, to get the first episode launched, it took a lot of work you know, to get kind of things figured out and the website up and the logistics. And then, but, you know, doing this with Noah and, you know, our whole family has been involved to some degree. It's been, mm-hmm. it's been, it's been a lot of fun and we, we've been learning a ton and getting to talk to really interesting people like yourself. So it's been, it's hey, been a lot well. of fun. Connection wise as well. It sort of helped um, sort of putting yourself out there a bit mm-hmm. um, and it can be quite vulnerable doing that sometimes. Absolutely. Make those connections with other people who have similar experiences where I'm, I'm learning stuff all the time and swapping tips and knowledge with people. It's, it's, it's been real good and I look forward to carrying on doing it. Um, and it's helped help my son as well in regards to confidence and things. Cause he's, mm-hmm in regards to work I said where he was before where people didn't have the awareness where he's like oh I really want to make people aware of how how it feels um and he's very brought into the idea of, of putting 
information in this magazine and sort of help them with the driving force of getting that out there. Very good. Cool. Just for advice, just like in general, what advice would you give parents of kids on the spectrum or just parents in general? Um, that's a good question. So I can only talk about my own sort of experience is patience, <laughs> a lot of patience and having to, um, not within our own family, but acceptance as well. So people accepting that that is what the, the, the problem, you know, that is what the problem is, that it, that they have autism and not thinking that you've done something wrong. I've, I've never felt like that, but I know other parents have felt like it was their fault somehow. And it's, you know, it's, it, there's nothing, when you get a diagnosis for your child with autism, they still are the same child. It's, it's nothing. It's just a label. It's just a word. Um, you say it enough times, it doesn't mean anything. And to, um, just to put yourself out there a bit more, you know, if you don't, if it's new to you and you, and you want to learn more about it, just reach out because the community is really good. Mm -hmm. And those connections that you make, you'll, like I said, you can learn so much from one another and you'll see that you're not the only one that every child is unique on the spectrum. But in regards to uh, how you feel as a parent, you'll see the same, quite a lot of the same similarities with other parents when you talk with them in regards to situations that they find challenging and how to sort of um, help to overcome that. And, and sort of learning yourself as well, as much, you know, arm yourself with as much information as you have and what one thing might work for one family may not necessarily work for you. And it may take you a little while to sort of work through to get yourself into a, into a sort of routine that works for your family. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. And I think it's great. We're able to, to talk to you, you know, you you live in a different part of the world yet. I, f I feel like it doesn't even matter because, you know, the, our kids have similar challenges. As a parent, we have the same hopes and dreams and challenges to, to deal with. I guess the, my point is, you know, autism is not geographical. It's, it's just out there and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter where you live. Yeah. Um, you can still find supports and the needs are very similar, I think. Mm -hmm. that, that you need to do but like you said every every child is different and I think that's the beauty of autism and also one of the uh, challenges too because you, you know, like you said you have to try so many things just to see what works well for your family and it's okay you have to try so yeah and what you said about being unique it's like okay you've met one child with autism you've met one child with autism it's they're mm. not not everyone's going to be the same everybody has their own things that are they find difficult um so it's learning as family what works for you and what routines work for you um and just don't it's so, it's so easy to say i know but just don't just sort of try and let things go over your head in regards to the outside sort of world and someone's judging you they're not worth knowing you know um yeah in regards to parenting yeah, i think that's something that i know a lot of people sort of struggle with in regards to people thinking what what does that person think you know of what i'm doing here but if that works for you that works for you yep i, I totally agree with that 
Yeah. And, and you said earlier, you kind of had to make yourself vulnerable when you put the magazine out there. But I think as just as parents, in order to try something, you do have to be vulnerable to ask for help to say, I don't know. I'm, I, I need some, I need some guidance. I need just someone to talk to about this. And it's okay that you don't have the answers. You know, we're all learning as parents to figure this stuff out. So, you know, don't think that you can't ask for help. People are, I found that if you ask for help in a nice way, people are more than happy to help and they don't expect anything in return. They just, people just want to help. So that's, that's at least what it, our experience has been. Yeah, same here. Yeah, definitely. So just, just ask. <laughs> yeah. And you will, and you will receive <laughs> yeah. a lot of um, help. It might be overwhelming that help because you might suddenly get a bit of an influx with a lot of people wanting to help. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of really nice people out there that will help you through your journey. Yeah. I have a question for you, Noah. Mm -hmm. So earlier, Sarah was talking about um, her and her son working on the magazine together and it's mm -hmm. boosted his confidence. And yeah. what has working on this podcast, how has that changed or helped you? Um, it's kind of had me become more open about this. What is this? autism thing mm -hmm. for me, because that was something I don't really share with people. I still really don't, but this is an, I guess an outlet for me and for you mm -hmm. to express like feelings and stuff like that and whatever and whatever else that needs to be said. Right. So that's what I take away from it. Cause recently you, you shared with us that you have, and you know, it was in a play in the fall and either in during the process of that play, you shared Mm -hmm. this, this podcast yeah. with yeah people in the play because it felt important it was important enough for that show yeah and that was that curious incident of the dog in the nighttime show what was their reaction Noah when you did that they were very supportive of it which was which was great I don't know if people still listen to it that's not really my business but I'm glad to see that they enjoyed it mm-hmm and the director even sought some your input mm -hmm. because yeah. of of you opening up about it. Yeah, right? yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's you know we Noah it's true. My my wife writes a blog about um, autism and just crazy things that happen in our life, and she's an excellent writer. And it, the stories are fun, but um, Noah's pretty much said, "Don't write about me too much." Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's been good to, to see Noah open up a little bit. It's still not like we walk around town and say, you know, here's my, uh, here's my son who has autism. Yeah, exactly. Cause Noah like punch your lights out, but mm -hmm. it, it's, I think it's nice that you're able to mm -hmm. feel, feel comfortable sharing it, knowing yeah. it's not who you are. It's just maybe a little part of, mm -hmm. part of you. Yeah. Yeah. The other interesting thing is for us is uh, Noah's a twin. And his twin has autism as well. And his twin doesn't go to the same school. So there's these questions like when I'm sure that Noah mm -hmm. gets weird looks or questions yeah. when he says, I have a twin brother, you know, that's always fun. What did you say last year on your birthday? It's my twin brother's birthday today and no one, and no one figured it out. <laughs> Mine, it's like two or three people. It was really funny, but 
Yeah. <laughs> so I, it, it's been good for us, Sarah, to have kind of this outlet, kind of like you were saying before with the magazine and your, and your family. So Noah, in <laughs> regard to your direction that you gave into the, the input that you gave into the play, what, what did you, what sort of input did you put into it? It was, most of the stuff was already really good as it was. And she took a lot of the ideas in the Broadway version of the show. But it was just a, it was just like a very few like little things that really didn't add to much, but I felt like it added a little more depth to it. Like especially during like the freak out scenes and stuff, which happens a lot in that show. Mm-hmm. Like with them with the emotional overloads and stuff like that. All right. Well, Sarah, do you have anything else you'd like to share? Uh, not like you think of at the moment. No. <laughs> okay. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to to be on our podcast and thank you for inviting us to be interviewed for your next upcoming edition of the of your magazine. So that that was fun to do. So appreciate that. So yeah, definitely. Um so I will send you a copy of that once that's out. So it'll be out in April. April. Very good. First week of April it'll be out. Um, so there will be, so I'll send you a PDF copy, but there will be a downloadable link on the website as well. If anybody else wants to have a, a copy of that, so we've got a lot of interesting, been speaking to a lot of interesting people. So it's quite, should be a bit more, a bit more detail in this one. So I look forward to sharing it with everybody. Cool. Yeah, we're looking forward to it and, uh, mm-hmm. we'll be sure to share that with some of the people in our area. We have a, a Facebook group for local uh, autistic families. So we, we have things like that that are good to to reach out and share or ask information. But yeah, we'll share it there. And yeah, we're looking forward to it. Thank you. No, that's really great to sort of keep sharing that about. And um, I will be sharing your podcast as well. So um, we've had a few new listeners lately from with people that I've passed it on to have really enjoyed um, who are still catching up with your previous episodes at the moment, but they, mm-hmm. they've really found it helpful. And um, and even um, a couple of people I've spoken to have actually even thought about starting up their own with uh, with their children because they felt like it was um, really quite inspirational listening to the two of you on there. So I'll be I'm quite interested to see where that goes with them. So yeah, it's it's good what you guys are doing. Like it's again having those experiences and sort of listening to your stories for talking but also having that father and son sort of bond where you're working on something together I think it's really really great and amazing yeah mm-hmm. awesome all right well thank you so much we really appreciate it Sarah all right thank you guys have a yeah. good day okay thank you Sarah thanks for listening 